0: Today at Sacks we are talking about people, and more specifically, hyperactive people. Everyone tells us to focus, but some of us don't, and thrive with it. We have today with us a very special guest, my friend Eme, an international rewarded chef and founder in Mesa Nomada, and the co-founder of Taberna, one of the most important restaurants in Mexico City and Latin America. The chef's hat is just one of many he wears. He's also a DJ, photographer, and recently launched a new beer brand. From a more traditional path, M changed it 180 degrees to find his passion. He overcame depression and sense of loss to find a much more fulfilling life. Let's hear from him how he went through all this and manages his hectic life on a daily basis. Eme, welcome to Lead Sex. You are now, among other things, one of the best chefs in Mexico, we have all these great projects that we'll talk about. This all looks great from the outside, but it took many years to become this overnight success. Let's go a little back in time. Uh, you were at university studying business. Your dad was an engineer, uh, worked for 35 years in the same company. There were expectations towards your career, towards everything. Uh, and then you went through all these adventures. How did you get here?
1: Well, as you said, uh, thank you for having me in. Just saying that I am now one of the best chefs of Mexico, it's really uh, something that I would, I feel very honored for if you say it, but I still think I'm that...
0: always at the So yeah, I do agree with that.
1: <laughs> I mean, Taverna is going amazing, but uh, yeah, it's still thinking about that, having that, that title. It's very hard. You know, it's very difficult. I don't think we're there yet, but thank you so much, man. And regarding of how, how do I get to my present? It's very, it's, Well, as you said, it started when I was in university, I believe so, and there was a lot of pressure that I put into myself, uh, because as many other people, I thought that having a very good income, a professional career, maybe an MBA, it was very important, and it was more than important, it was essential to be a happy person, because... Uh, You needed this income to be secure all the time. And how do you secure that income? And how do you live a life that you want to live without money? You can't, no? So the only way to actually secure that income was to have a very good professional career in a very good university and work hard. Yeah, so just like doing what most of my friends and most of the people that I was studying with we're doing just like searching have for that. But change your opinion on
0: money. Is money still important? Or
1: I believe that money now it's a tool and it's important. It's still very important, but it's not the key of happiness. Of course not. It's uh, more than a tool that if you use it correctly, as many other people have done it, you can be creative, and that's actually what makes me very happy to have a space to create and have time to create and to perform in different uh, situations. Now I believe that most of the things that I do regarding art, it's cooking. My, in my professional career, that's 90% of my time. I cook and I uh, run restaurants for most of my time, and then the rest I divide it into music and photography and other stuff. But what really makes me happy is that, you know, like being close to nature, maybe doing sports, and of course, working a lot. And so you managed, and we are going to get into how
0: hyperactive. Uh, and we were talking before the podcast, and I really love the conversation on being a functional hyperactive. That I think it's how we are going to call the the podcast "Functional Hyperactive." But you do all these things. So money, because I've learned from from my dad one thing that I keep until today, which is the first independence you need is financial independence. Once you are financially yeah. independent then you can follow all the other types of independences and follow other dreams. I agree. Uh, What you're telling me is that you achieved this financial independence, but by following your passion and not following the traditional path. Correct.
1: So I would say that while I was in, in university, since I was not doing what I was meant to, if you want to say it like that, because my mind and my heart was not following... You know, math class or economics, maybe, you know, I was getting really bored and I was really, I was especially getting really frustrated with my grades because I was doing, I was putting a lot of effort into it, but my grades were not good enough. And of course, my father and my mother were worried about this because I was not doing good at college at all. I mean, some, some, some classes I was, but the rest I was not. And I got really like, I felt a lot of pressure of this and that led to a depression and a lot of anxiety that was created because I wanted to make my parents happy and make me happy. But I was not doing it by doing it, doing what I was doing. You know, I was not happy going to college. I was not happy doing other stuff and being with a relationship at that moment that it was not making me happy. But what was making me happy, and I realized later, it was at that specific moment, it was making music and making, uh, and making food, you know. So,
0: so you are at university, and you were telling me you had also um, an eyesight problem. Yes. Uh, you were eight months yeah. in bed, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't see, and then suddenly you changed university as well. You were studying international business. But all this was causing you a lot of frustration and uh, resulted in depression. Yes. This is a side a lot of people, because like people from the outside, you're like really cool. Everyone is always <laughs> like, you're always laughing. Everyone talks uh, speaks great being... about you and everything. But <laughs> And people are like, oh, it must be just like this joyful person, happy all the time. But you actually... Fought for a long time with depression, and you were telling me that sometimes you still do, and it's there present. Yeah. So, how did you overcome it? You're at university; you have all this pressure, like a lot of us um, have had. We're doing this podcast for Nova University. A lot of the students are business students as well, mm-hmm. and they are like struggling to fight their vocation, their passion. How can how can they make everyone happy, including themselves?
1: Mm-hmm. So, what happens then? So, what happened is that I was. Well first of all the eye prob- the eye problem was because I was born with a sort of condition that doesn't allow your eye to grow properly and long story short I had to wait until I was 21 to get my eye surgery and they did a trans- uh, transplant of my uh, cristallino which is like the uh, lens natural lens of the eye since it's a very difficult operation they you have to do one eye, and if you don't go blind, then you do the other one. So that's why you have to wait in bed for so much time, and it's uh, it's very difficult. But yeah, after that time, I went back to college. I decided to to do all my effort, and I thought that I was that was my the problem. Not that I couldn't see properly. So I, that was that was the problem that I, that my grades were not good, and that my performance was not good. And it was not. So when I went back into college and I tried to do my best, the depression came and I started treating myself. And this helped me a lot. And I would totally always recommend to get some help uh, from professionals.
0: Which type of help
1: did you... In this matter, I was between two doctors. One of them was more like a psychologist and the other and uh, more sp- spiritual guided. And the other one was totally opposite. It was a psychiatrist. And <laughs> were you on medication as well? Yes. So when I went into the psychiatrist for the first time, he gave me some pills. It was not antidepressant, but it was anxiolytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked him not to. And he was laughing at my face because he was like, dude, this is what I do. Like, this is my job. <laughs> Do I give pills to people? (laughs) But he said something very special. He said, okay, let's do something. Let's try to work with these pills. Let's see how it goes for you. Let's see how you feel. And let's work with these pills for two months. We'll keep talking. We'll keep going through therapy. And we'll talk about it in two months. And I was, okay, let's give it a try. Nothing to lose right now, honestly. I start feeling better. And then he told me, like, okay, I mean, like honestly, you don't have any problems. Really. Like, I I would say that you're pretty much okay. But if you want to get rid of the pills forever and you don't want to take them anymore, this is the thing that you have to do. You have to go to some place away from Mexico. It must be a place that they don't speak Spanish. It should be another language that you don't speak. And go there for six months and work there in whatever you want. And next session, you have to tell me three different countries that you would like to be there. So I did. Next session, the only country that I thought it was Brazil. And long story short, in one month, I was in Brazil working, cooking. And tell me how to get there
0: because <laughs> so you're studying, you're at university, you're depressed, and then. A month
1: later, you're in Brazil cooking. What happened here? So, as we were talking before, I think uh, you create your own story, but also you have to go in flow with, uh, with nature and what, what's, what the universe is giving you the opportunities. No? And at that moment, I had some friends and I was very close to them and they knew some people in Brazil. They were helping me with my condition at that moment One of them said, like, hey, you know, like, I know this person who needs a chef, a Mexican chef, in Brazil. And you had no education, zero experience. experience. (laughs) You
0: you cooked for your friends. You are telling me that you've cooked for your friends since you remember, but that's it, like... I am, you liked cook and you were Mexican. Therefore, you could go and open a Mexican restaurant in Brazil.
1: Something that happened that I think it's important to say is that while I was depressed, I couldn't sleep at night, but I was basically sleeping all day. But at night I was awake like an owl. And the only thing that I would watch on TV was cooking programs. So okay. you could say that for seven months <laughs> of total depression before I got treated because this is something that happened before I I started taking taking the pills. I was doing my own uh, degree on cooking in television without YouTube (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at night because that was the only that was the only moment that I had energy to actually really motivating for me you know like I was very looking forward to watch these programs and learned from these amazing chefs from TV, and I was taking notes, man. Like, I was not doing that in college, Mm -hmm. you know? But I was very, very motivated on on this subject. So at the same time, I was uh, doing college, and there were some subjects that I was really good at because I was very motivated. But on the other hand, there were other subjects in college that I was not doing very good because I was not motivated, and maybe the system was not for me, you know? So in between, this is what happened. Cooking became sort of like a escape uh, route into my depression, and music also. So that was the main things that I was doing. That was the things that kept me motivated into literally keep on going with my life and do something that I really wanted to do. And thanks to my business degree, now I can organize myself into... Be a su- successful restaurateur, or chef, or photographer, if you want to say it like that.
0: It, it's funny because um, I went through the same. Like I, I studied business, and then I did my MBA, and often I questioned if it was like the right approach for me, if it was what I wanted to do. In in life and it's like is this business but what it gave me because at the same time i was a tv show host as well and i was like maybe i should be a journalist and i was traveling around the world and everything and and i remember actually my my parents saying you graduate here and then you do whatever and one thing i think business gives you is a sense of like doing money and actually organizing things. So then you can do a lot of different things, And but you have a more organized and business-driven mind. So I think it's funny because yeah. today I'm thankful I did. Not always I enjoyed uh, studying it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that for me specifically, it's the way I study. Because I study a lot up to these days. You know, I, I put a lot of, of time into keep learning in uh, a lot of subjects such as cooking, uh, numbers in a restaurant, uh, how to take, how to use a camera properly, how to use DJ set properly, how, how to record it, how to, uh, you know, like there's so many things to learn in, in these matters. And I've always been super curious, always. And just like you said, While I was doing business, I could picture myself doing so many other stuff in my mind. And I could see myself doing it. And then for some reason, there's conditions and people tell you that that's not the way to do it. And I would tell to a lot of students that they should definitely take that out of their minds and call, do something that they can feel close to them, you know, like, if it's art, it's art. If it's a sport, it's a sport. Or it can be many things. Or it could be many things. Because I think I think. Um, but just doing one thing. Uh, for some people it works. For some other it doesn't. And that's and I think that's fine. One of
0: the. Um, that's why I was really enjoying the conversation on being hyperactive. Because I think we both do a lot of things. Right now you have uh, Taverna, you have uh, Beach Restaurant, Beach Club, Crania, you have Mesa Nomada, that's where we've met many years yeah. ago. Uh, yeah, when yeah. did you start it? I think it was like the seven third... seven years ago. Yeah, so that's when I think I went like to the second or third. Yeah, mesa nomada at the time, which is a pop-up restaurant.
1: Yeah. Uh, while I was working at the Lidio at the moment. There you so, go. So, <laughs> With Monica Patino. With Monica Patino. Exactly. So I was working at uh, a very famous place here in Mexico while I was doing my first entrepreneurial movement. Yeah. Because I had the time, because I could feel that I could have the time. You know. And but of course, is it that
0: you have the time or do you make the time. Because I, it's, it's something that I've struggled a lot, which is like, oh, you're never put. Just yesterday, I was telling you at 6 a.m., I was in Tahoe. Then at yeah. 9, I was in Reno. Then at 11, I was in Vegas. And I arrived here at 7. And a friend of mine is like, let's go do Temascal. And I went to do Temascal until 12. And I was working yeah. in the plane. And this is like, I don't like to be. St- quiet still Still. it's like the whole stillness I meditate every day but that's fine it's like then when people are like don't you just rest I rest by doing things but for a long time I've been told that no you have to be well with yourself hey I can be well with myself while doing things how do you manage this do you think this is a defect that of personality is a fault of personality or is a type of personality like I think it's just just about being active hyperactive or an adventurer, an explorer, because there's
1: this sense of adventure that you always need. I think it's a, definitely a type of personality that if you use it correctly, and with the help of other people, you can manage to accomplish a lot of stuff that you want to do. When I realized that I wanted to be a chef, it was until I did it. You know, like the first moment that I put myself into in a kitchen professionally, that moment I was like, oh, wow, this is it. This is what I want to do, you know. So answering your first question, you make the time. Of course, you make it. But you have to be organized as well. And sometimes, as I was, you're not because you don't know what you want and you don't know what you like, but you do know what you don't like. And you do know what you don't want. So first, I would start getting away of those in order to find what really, really, really motivates you. When I was in Delirio and I did my first entrepreneurial movement, I found the time and I made the time because I was motivated to create. And that was what, what really made me happy. Of course, I was doing extra hours because I was working regularly in the other place, in my other restaurant. But I had to make an extra effort into making my first company, which is Mesa Nomada. It's been seven years now. And still I still have to do that because that's the way I created it. I created the time for that company to exist. It. And creating businesses is
0: a type of creativity as well. Of
1: course, Exactly. And that's what they don't teach you in business school at the beginning. They're only like, it's more like, well, that was when I was studying. I don't know, maybe now they do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't change much education. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like there's a lot of creativity into into uh, creating companies uh, and creating business. This is sort of like mindset that they don't teach you and they don't, they don't really tell you that it can happen, you know? When they talk about, when people in universities talk about art, for example, they use a lot of the word of creativity and creative environments, you know. And now offices, of course, have been changing into better environments for their employers and employees to have a better relationship with their work. But still, what happened to me specifically seven years ago when I started my first company is that even though I was working in what I really wanted to do, which was cooking, and I had a good job, and I would say a good salary, regular salary in Mexico City, I was not completed. I wanted to have my own stuff. And that is one of the things that really motivated until now, you know, to have my own expression, my own voice. But you have to go through all these years and maybe I, for me it came too soon maybe no? how
0: did other... you think, let's go a little bit back to Brazil so you arrived to Brazil I arrived to Brazil mm-hmm. and uh, to meet a friend of a friend that was opening a restaurant who I didn't know who you didn't know
1: yeah. okay and how does it go from there how was what how, does it, how did it go from there okay it was fun because of course that's you arrive and it's like <laughs> there's a restaurant there's no restaurant the place was cool Okay. At least it was in the beach, which Where was about? in <laughs> in the sur of Brazil. You've had south. some of
0: the best locations of work. You work yeah. at Burning Man. You've yeah. worked in Tulum. You've you worked Cranes it, in Los Cabos. This is Balneário
1: Bel- Camorio, which is very close to, <laughs> to Florianópolis, which I went as well. Which
0: has a very, a very interesting <laughs> reputation. Yeah,
1: Copenhagen. All yeah, Thailand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So always close to nature. Always right. close to nature.
0: But go a little bit, let's go, because yeah. then uh, you also were accepted, I believe, at Noma. Yes. At a certain point. But let's go. Brazil. Okay, so so Bra- you get there, you Brazil, get to the beach.
1: Exactly. Brazil. I, got, I went, got to the beach, got uh, picked up by this beautiful woman, Sabrina, uh, which I was going to stay with, uh, and we were going to open her restaurant again. She had a restaurant before. She closed it down, and now she was going to do something different, which is a Mexican restaurant in Balneário Camarillo. And I helped her to develop for the first one month and a half, but she realized that it was not going to happen properly, so she decided not to open. And that would, that's when things got really interesting, because when I got to Brazil, I had a home to where I could stay, you know, at her house. I was... Fed, I had like, sort of like a income, if you want to say it like that. But I, I had something secure. And then suddenly life just took it away and said, like, okay, restaurant is not going to open. You have to move from this house in one week and find a job. I was depression then. <laughs> I was supposedly getting out of
0: depression. <laughs> But did that take you, uh, did that make you more depressed or did that actually is like, you know what, I have other shit to do? Yeah,
1: that put me on the limit. But I would say that I had two options. Either go back to Mexico to the things that I already know or just push, you know, like try to do something different. And I did that. I stayed in Brazil. I struggled a lot. I went through withdrawal situations, even though I was not addicted to any drugs or alcohol. My body went to literally the phases of withdrawal when you're in, uh, in recovery, you know? Because of the medicines you were taking? No, because, because my mind was addicted to my comfort zone in Mexico. My mind was addicted to my car, to my house, to my bed, to the people that I know. And when I took them away just like from one second to another, of course, my mind and my body went into withdrawal. So I struggled and I was suffering with a lot of anxiety every fucking day. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was going through a lot of phases, you know, like luckily I was close to my doctor and I could speak to him and say like, no, you're okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. You'll, you'll be fine. So it's always good to have someone to help you. And then I started working in a restaurant. And that made me happy. I was busy. My mind was busy. Where, how did you find the job? I find it online. And I just knocked the door, lied about my resume. <laughs> and, of course, you could, like, you, I don't know in the business, but maybe you, you can, these guys, when you're lying on your resume in a company, but in the kitchen, you can't. Either you, you can cut something or you can't. You know, you can tell that who's, <laughs> who's good at it. Yeah, because and, then when you get there, it's yeah, like it's the like, skills are there. Exactly, you need the skills. So I started cooking with this uh, French chef who was very old school and taught me a lot, a lot of basics. From, to resume, a little bit of the story of Brazil it was an amazing experience. It changed my life. I started to feel myself again. And I literally came out of the depression one year after. And that's the moment that I decided to go back to Mexico because I discovered that I was not enjoying myself in Mexico but I love Mexico and I want to enjoy myself in Mexico. I I mean, it's one of the most, it's my home. So after a year in Brazil, when I got to the point that I was feeling better with myself after a long year of traveling and working very hard and sometimes sleeping in the beach because I didn't have a home, blah, blah, came back to Mexico feeling amazing. And I started enjoying a lot of things that I couldn't before. Okay. depression made you a little bit blind you know.
0: so you arrived to Mexico so you had a job and then you quit a job and I think at that point your dad is like okay now that you found it again you're again. moving
1: <laughs> <laughs> again <laughs> so I would say actually I, wr- I wrote something down I would say that in the last 11 years my only habit that, that I have not changed has been the change itself so, yeah, my father was very structured in this matter. Like he worked for the same company all his life, probably. And when he saw me coming back, he's like, "Dude, what are you doing? Like you already had a job there. Why are you starting all over again?" Because in my career, at least, in my in, when it comes to cooking, you, I believe so. You need to learn a lot from many different places, and from many different restaurants, and from many different chefs. You need to have all these cultural experience all over as much as you can in order to learn what really cooking is because it's mixing ingredients, yes. But in Thailand, they do it one way. In Mexico, they do it another way. And maybe we share some ingredients, but the result is totally different. And what we are trying to create as chefs, it's an experience in the palate. And with all these learnings, you can do your own. So that's what I did before I got entrepreneurial. I Went to Baja California, worked in a boat. I went to Mexico City. I went to uh, Los Cabos. I went to uh, Puerto Vallarta. I went to Thailand. I went to Copenhagen. And then opened Mesa Nomada, which we is. You had
0: some visa issues in between, though. Yeah.
1: Probably I don't remember you telling me in that, London. Yeah. <laughs> After they saw me coming in for the seventh time in the year, it was like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah. <laughs> I was not working there; I was just visiting. Yeah. <laughs> people can see the wink on the microphone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, no, I was. Uh, so I started learning a lot from a lot of people. Then, keep changing places keep knowing new people, keep meeting new people and, and getting new challenges was making me feel better. And was that was what's making my mind go slower. Because when I get anxiety, it's because I feel unproductive. When I feel depressed, it's because I start to feel that I am lacking of something. You know, so... My actions, instead of being of gratitude or of, or of abundance, which I had all my life, it's more of like, oh, I'm lacking this. I should do this. Greed, greed, exactly. And that's when you feed anxiety also with that, you no, know, because you are acting upon it. So, when I created Mesa Nomada, which was, an, of course, a business that was not making. Any money, but before <laughs> that, I don't. I don't remember if it was
0: before that or during that. At a certain point, Noma, which is one of the top restaurants in the world, that was after. That was yeah. after that. You were in Tulum,
1: but I, I was in Copenhagen twice with them. Not first. I was with a, one of their apprentices, or I mean, it was the, one of the right hands of René Tepi, which is Torsten Vilga. Mm-hmm. and he had a, an amazing restaurant called Studio in Copenhagen. Came back to Mexico. Well, actually, I got a a job offer there. It was one of my dreams. But I got the visa. Ah, that's the visa that you were saying. Yeah. No, my visa was rejected when I tried to apply for a job in Copenhagen, which I got offered. And that was one of the most amazing moments in my life. Because that was what I was aiming for. When I started cooking, I was like, I'm going to go to this place. and I'm going to work my ass off until I get that job. And I got it. But then what happened... The government of Denmark said no, you know, like, and they didn't even know me. It's like so crazy. So came back to Mexico, find a job at Delirio, this place. And that's where I felt that I had so much time because I could do my job and other stuff. And then I created Mesa Nomada. And with Mesa Nomada, again, I started traveling all around. I put different...
0: Can you explain the concept of Mesa Nomada?
1: Yes. So, Mesa Nomada, which literally means nomadic table, it's a pop-up experience dinner program that involves a lot of art. has five main elements that, again, they're always changing and transforming. The venue, the people that are coming, the food menu, the design an architectural intervention, the sound, which we always invite different DJs or musicians to create a sound pairing with the menu that we're serving. And sometimes we would add a sixth one, which is the artistic intervention, in which other kind of artists would assist or intervene the space in order to make a beautiful experience. So these pop-ups were normally one week or two weeks, sort of. It was like six to 12 dinners, maybe more we would run this in one place with a topic, for example, the oceans. And then we would, we would go into with fishermen's and tell them like, okay, which menu should we do? And then same with a, an architect or a designer that he was into the ocean. It was like, okay, now it's your turn to create and transform this space. And same with the musician. So we started basically creating a new restaurant every time that we did a Mesa nomada. And that's what when, that's where we got our reputation. And that's where someone called me and said, like, Amy, we want to build a restaurant in Tulum. There's nothing but palms and sand and we need it in one month. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Easy. (laughs) (laughs) While I was running some events in Mexico City, no. And that same year, Noma went to Tulum and I already knew Rene for uh, other experiences. So I, uh, wrote him an email and said like, "Hey, I would love to be in your team at Noma," and he's like, "Yeah, of
0: course." They had a restaurant for six months, right? For three months.
1: Three months. So
0: they brought every. I remember you telling all, me they brought like the team, all the team, the families, everyone, made a school, yeah. like everything.
1: No, they brought things from Copenhagen, like like literally like things that they cooked for six months in Copenhagen, and they brought it to Mexico. Incredible experience. There was a moment that I was running my restaurant in Tulum, running a... The restaurant was? Maxa. Maxa, Maxa,
0: which is now like one of the most famous camps at Burning Man that you also help manage and take care of like the food, right?
1: exactly. So I was running that, the restaurant in in Tulum. I was running pop-ups and events from Tulum in Mexico City. And I was working 14 hours a day at Noma. But I was so happy, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing so much exercise at that time you know because my body needed it and it's crazy like if I didn't do exercise for more than two days my body and my mind would get tired I don't know if you- this makes any sense. It makes all the sense in the world to me. You know, because I
0: need to sleep properly, but then I need to be active both physically and mentally. Yeah. To And that's uh, that's a little bit how you were telling me that you deal with anxiety, depression and everything, no? Exactly. I
1: I believe that I get away from depression and anxiety when I exercise myself and when I am aware of how close depression is to me. You know, I can see it every day. It can really Get into me any second just like it's part of being aware and using meditation uh, tools and skills to, to know that if I'm parting too much I could go into depression very easily or if I don't do exercise for a certain amount of time I could go into the depressive state as well it's crazy because I really feel relaxed like I don't feel tired I actually feel like if I just had like a beautiful nap 45 minute nap when I do like a good run, a good long run, you know? Runners high. Yeah, runners high or whatever, or like just push-ups or, or surfing. or And it's really crazy because I think that's part of an hyperactive mind is that you need this. You need to to keep your mind busy or your body busy in order to focus your mind on something. This really helps me a lot. And for people who are now in university as well, I would totally recommend these skills as well. Just like combine it. Combine it with something that you really enjoy doing it and apply that two times, three times a week, in order to make your life easier and happier, you know? I think that's a that's a key. And so you were learning this while you were in Tulum,
0: you had all these projects, you were living like on the edge. Totally full. <laughs> totally full life. And knowing you, I'm sure you were partying a bit as well. Oh, of course. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But you're good. Like, no depression, no, no. anxiety. All no. good. And
1: so then you're at Noma. And where do you go from there? I've, then I... Exactly. So Noma closed down. Maxa closed down. It was only a temporary restaurant. I went back to Mexico City. And then... Well, again... I went to London, I started doing Mesa Nomada there. Mm-hmm. To Portugal, where
0: we've met as well? Portugal,
1: like different countries, you know, and I could see a lot of opportunities. And then I went to Noma in Copenhagen
0: again. Did you ever have in the back of your mind, like, maybe I should be more stable or maybe I should, like... Yes, because... It's... Find, like, a continuous thing because my life is too yeah. erratic or not?
1: yes. But not because I thought it, because people told me to, you know? It's crazy. You have to grow up. You have to mature. It's like, no, I don't. Yeah, they were like, okay. yeah there were people who were like, I mean, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to put your I restaurant? get that question
0: every week. It's like, it's like, no, eventually you'll be more mature. It's like, hey, it, I don't do this. I am mature. I'm mature. It's like, I run my own life. I'm happy. Yeah. It's like, I just choose to live like this. It's like...
1: Well, honestly... Yeah. After three or four years of Mesa Nomada, that's when it really got uh, profitable. And I was, man, honestly, making way much more money than any other cook could make in Mexico City with half of the time invested. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I was doing my own menus. Work smart. I was doing my own menus, which is something that someone really expects as a chef. You know, like, you want to have your own creations in your own creativity. So, check one. I was literally, man, working half of the time of a regular cook in Mexico City in a very good restaurant, and I was earning four times more than them. And I was traveling a lot, and I was getting paid
0: for that. But still, people so are like, why would now I put... <laughs> you have to find a stable yeah. job. It's like, and there's a lot why? Of... The yeah. goal is not... Work more. It's enjoying what you do, making a good living. It's Uh like, the the point is just... I was living a,
1: I mean, not retired life. I was literally living a good life.
0: And of course, I... I remember a few years ago, I was having lunch with a friend of mine and and he was telling me, David, no, he was giving me like all the speech, like, oh, you have to change life. At a certain point, I had listened to this so many times and I was like, man, how much do you earn? Oh, I earned this, and now was your vac- oh my vacation was like this last year, but because of the kids, because of this, eh? and you almost it was almost about uh, being divorced as well. I was like, man, it's like I don't want to yeah. <laughs> compare anything, but I've made like six times more than you did. I had four months of vacation, and uh, I'm enjoying my life. So I don't <laughs> understand why I have to follow your path. I don't tell you to follow mine, and I respect that you worry about me, but. Just chill, relax. It's like there are different paths in life.
1: Exactly. And I think that's what really complements what we were talking about making time, you know, like how we, when, when you're very hyperactive, you are very creative and you make time for a lot of things that you want to do. And it's very important to choose really between having one kind of life or another or another or another. And all of them are fine. There's a lot of combinations that you can do with all kind of hyperactive minds. In my very specific case, I got told a lot that when are you gonna put your restaurant? And I really wanted to put my restaurant, of course, and which I've done. Which I've done. And and now you have to. I, I actually I put two in the same yeah. year <laughs> instead of doing one. So they before before that, there's a lot of people who said like, it's not a myth. A restaurant having a restaurant, it's very complicated it's very demanding you you don't own a restaurant the restaurant owns, owns you, you basically of course it depends in the category but taverna is not a uh, casual dining it is but it's so, but let's 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 get
0: to taverna because there's there's also something very interesting there is that you work with your partner with your girlfriend <laughs> yeah. uh, chris which i love and uh, you guys have managed like a beautiful relationship in the middle of working together and not living together, but like you've managed all, all this great yeah. dynamic <laughs> as well. So like basically there's no real separation between personal, professional, living life like, uh, like one. But how did you get to this? How yeah. did you get? So you get from Noma, you go to Noma again in Copenhagen. Uh-huh. And then?
1: Chris and I met seven years ago at Mesa Nomada because... My business partner at that moment knew that we needed someone to do very good desserts and we were not good at it. So she he invited uh, her into Mesa Nomada. That's where we met. We were only friends, super like, you know, really like only friends. And then she went to uh, uh, do her own career. And she went to New York to Blue Hill and uh, Australia, Attica, like. Nam in Thailand, all amazing places, very good restaurants all over the world, and then we met again in Tulum, and uh, still nothing was like uh, happening there. But only after that, when I was in back in Noma again in Copenhagen, we were there together, and th- I mean before that, you know, like we always worked together. Before we became friends, we were working together, and I think the only thing that makes us very good at what we do when we're working together is because we're very passionate we're very passionate and at the same time we're very emotional we understand how the industry works and how you can get very depressed into this industry if you don't handle emotions correctly because there is an old school in this and they're mean like mean They, they burn you man and we don't want this so before building our personal and love relationship, we built a, a work relationship and then a friendship. And then now that we have a place together, we can uh, work in, a, in the ambience that we really want to design. And this is our creative as well. So in, in, in Copenhagen, we were, we were working together and we saw many things. In, and I'm not judging, of course, and I'm not saying that they're not amazing, but we saw a lot of things that we don't want in our lifestyle and that's very important to discover in the process of life, no? So when we were back in Mexico City and things were started to work out between Chris and I, one thing that really really it's very, one of the things most important of our relationship is that we didn't follow the rules. That's something that has characterized me as well my personal and professional life. Of course, I didn't follow the rules. I just did what I felt it was right. And with Chris it's the same. Instead of jumping into our relationship straight away because we feel attracted to each other, we waited because we had other things to lose. There so, are two things that that, that I remember, that
0: there are two things that I remember from um, from you guys one is the horse uh, constellation session which was beautiful seeing the dynamic between the two of you and how supportive you are and there's a moment i don't think you actually know about it i don't know if i told you or not. i don't think so but um in mezcal amores last year in Los
1: Cabos uh-huh. at
0: Cranier, yeah i was watching you at a certain point i was just like uh chilling somewhere and i was watching you guys and you had been working the whole day and I had seen you, I don't know, many meals you prepared, the whole thing. And I saw you guys, the two of you, after finishing the, the dinner and serving everyone, the two of you guys in a corner next to the restaurant, having a drink, the two of you, and laughing. And that's something I was like, man, like relationship goals here. It's yeah. like they've managed to work the whole day under pressure. And now they are still not tired of each other. They're just like hanging out, laughing. And you still went DJing after. And yeah. you were still having a good time like while you were playing. And, I was, and she was like cheering and dancing. And I was like, whoa, relationship goals. Something that wow. I've always admired in your relationship.
1: Well, we don't know what it is. So we're, we're not, we're not going to say it as well because we don't want to jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, it's only that, yeah. you know, like it's uh, in, She's also very hyperactive. The only difference is that she has a different set of goals, but I respect that, you know, and she respects mine. So both being super active, hyperactive with different uh, goals, personals goals and also relationship goals and being aware of that and respecting both of them and create and being able to create these spaces of respect and. Uh, you know, like not even we don't need sometimes we don't understand we just let it flow we don't put the rules and that's when you have a blank space and you don't have any limits able to create that's when you can when you can do whatever you want so that's what it is you know, like we we don't set limits into our relationship unless something happened you know Or, or unless something someone really wants to say something but normally we just understand each other and we understand that we are different persons, that we're both very creative, in different ways. We just managed to work it out,
0: you know? It's fantastic. I always love watching you guys working <laughs> together. When I go to Taverna or when I see you, and now let's go a little bit into the spiritual side. You said at the time you had like a, more like um, a psychiatrist, and then you had at the same time as well um, a more spiritual. Guide or doctor, how you want to call it? How much has spirituality been important in your process throughout? I know you've worked A as lot. well with medicine, plants as well, and
1: yeah, spirituality has always been important in my life. I was educated Catholic. I'm not anymore, but I've always felt this beautiful, amazing energy within me. You know that make me trust myself because it's something that you can feel. Yeah, so spirituality, yeah, it's always been, as I said, uh, very important in my life. I've always felt this energy within me, which is beautiful. How do I know that it exists? Because I could feel it. There's there's an uh, exercise that I love to do to all my friends, family, whoever I meet and go deep into these kind of conversations. It's like, close your eyes and tell someone to touch you. You know, tell him to tell you when is this person touching you. And the only way you can see if this is true is because you can feel it. You can really feel it. You know, and and that's what I feel when, when it comes to spirituality. There's something there. I can feel it all the time. When I was a kid, I didn't know this, but... I did like meditation exercise that no one taught me. It was just like my consciousness doing this, trying to fall asleep when I was a young kid. Because, again, my mind was like just like overthinking and running through, I don't know what. What what can kind an of eight-year-old think overthink. about overthinking? You know? <laughs> I mean, many stuff, but at that moment, it <clears throat> sort of like gave me anxiety as well. So I developed three exercises before going to sleep that helped me go into a rest, you know? And they were all guided by uh, breathing. Crazy. So it was only after I started doing conscious meditation that I realized that I was doing it for many years. I have been doing it for many, many, many years. That was, I would say... Right after Brazil, Because the spiritual uh, guide that I had at that moment was more like... Uh, uh, he was f- more focusing on my emotions. I'm sorry, ah, see, no, actually,
0: actually, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a great podcast living in Mexico City. We have to have a background of someone screaming... <laughs> so <laughs> that's
1: so true. I think this is perfect for people <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> It's perfect because it breaks a little bit of the ice as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. It was going. We were going too deep. <laughs> so like everything
0: in Mexico, they something camotes or something corn or
1: It's a noisy city. Yeah, oh. the, the noisier think, winds. Yeah, everything has to be noisy <laughs> this city. So yeah, like uh, I started to to develop a better a spiritual side of me because I started to work on it consciously. After I began to do more exercises and meet more people and doing medicine, I started to feel better and discover myself in a different matter. That has always been there. It just needed to make the time to see myself as a spiritual being as well and discover myself in that matter, and then be creative with my mind in that spiritual world, which is super helpful. Because that is, it's it's pure imagination, man. When you meditate, sometimes they tell you to go bla- to to put your uh, your mind as as blank as you can, or to think of nothing, you no. Know? And that leads to a white canvas. And Then what are you supposed to do with that? You know, in, I mean I'm not a monk. <laughs> so just paint, create. <laughs> you know, like my mind, it was not definitely to be in Tibet praying 23 hours a day. I can I can be now in peace with that. Because, of course, I am... Because we have
0: this... But, but that's another thing. It's like, everyone is like, no, like the ultimate goal is for you to be still. It's like, or the ultimate goal is Maybe. for you to be rich <laughs> or for you to be the CEO of a company. Yeah. I remember um, actually a, a person close to me was like, I um, wanted to do ayahuasca. And one of the questions I I remember listening to the person saying it was, but what happens if I go there and then I don't want to become a CEO any longer? I was like, that's because maybe at the beginning you didn't want to become a CEO. That's fine. It's like, it's just like the way you were raised that everyone has told you and what you believe is that you have to be a CEO. I'm a CEO of several companies as you know and my goal is not to be a CEO it's like because there are other parts it's like it's a lot of work and sometimes it's not even the most creative work and there are more fulfilling jobs and but people tell you no for you to be happy you have to be at the top you have to be the boss you have yeah no you don't Mm -hmm. yeah or you don't have to be Meditating twenty hours. maybe exactly. some people do. It's yeah. not the same formula
1: for everyone. The other extreme would be why aren't okay, you're not you're not wanna you are not you not want to you do not want to live in this entrepreneurial world which the more companies, the more the president of the several companies, you know, like if you don't want to live like that, there is another option, no? That's what they tell you. And, and it's to go and pray and have a Very uh, simple life in which you wake up, you meditate, you drink your tea, and you're happy with whatever is happening in the universe, Mm -hmm. right? That's what they tell you. And, of course, there's religions, and there's a lot of people who can do that. Such like a surfer can... There are many kinds of surfers. There may be a body type that can surf better than mine. I truly believe that there's minds that can pray more than mine and that can meditate way more than mine. Mm -hmm. What happens when I meditate? This, not, Not to go into other topics, but into my creative mind, into my hyperactive mind. When I meditate, I see a white canvas. And then one of the teachers that I had, these spiritual teachers, told me like, well, then just like, Go, you know, like create your own world there, whatever makes you feel better. And he taught me how to do that by telling me a story of what he sees while he's in a meditative state. And that was so much easier than just like having this black white canvas. So every time that I meditate, I go into this place. And I interact with all the beings and all the plants and all the things that are in this place that I have created that is real because I have created it. And it depends on how I react and interact with this world is how I come back. Because sometimes I go often there to cure myself or to to be aware of that. Maybe my reaction upon someone was very aggressive or it was not the proper one. So I go, I judge myself there. And I cured myself there, and I come back and say like, okay, maybe this is my lesson to learn, but I need this creative space, and that's how my mind works. It's always like having ideas and, yeah. and executing, and
0: sometimes oh, yeah. And now let's get, get let's get a little bit into into the whole part of being um, a chef. The first question I have: Is there a difference between a cook
1: and a chef? Yeah, there's a big difference. For a what chef, is it? Yeah, you need to have. You you need to study, <laughs> which I didn't. <laughs> See you need a degree. <laughs> okay.
0: That's what they so say. So a chef is a degree. Okay. Nah,
1: nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a very, as I said, very passionate and emotional industry. And at the same time it's a cooking is the most primordial thing that we've done before being the creative beings that we are let me explain it differently in order to create music or a sound or in order to enjoy the waterfall coming down out of a mountain first you need to eat mm-hmm. first you need to feed yourself and after we humans developed the ways to cook and preserve food enough time to not worry about that and then we had the time to create other things but the primordial thing was food you know after we had food we had a shelter and then in these shelters after we found the ways to preserve the food we could paint we could uh, show other people how to do it you know so it's very primitive and you do it three times a day at least well people, people who are lucky they do it three times a day or more You know, so it's not something that you don't dance three times a day. You don't play music three times unless you're a musician, but you eat three times a day. And that means that it's something that we need, that we really need it. So being a chef in an artistic and professional and skillful way is very difficult to see it in our industry because you have to be one of the best. Otherwise, you're just a cook, just like me. You know, you're a cook, you'll always be a cook, learning, until you... So a chef is chef. is uh,
0: is someone that is a top cook. Exactly. That's the definition. That of has
1: profession. all the professional skills, all the knowledge, all, you know, not all of it, but a lot, you know, so you can, like, he's like a master of masters. And of course, there's, in the universities, there's a professional degree. When you finish that degree, you come out as a chef which means boss in in france mm-hmm. no and that's where the in portuguese as well, portuguese as well. Sure. so that's where the, the, the word comes from you know it, it literally mean boss so who's the boss the chef okay. it was not the boss the cooks right <laughs> so maybe for some people i am a chef i'm pretty sure that for other people i'm not a chef i'm still a cook and and tell me something Because a few
0: years ago, we did a a class uh, here at Leeds, actually. And uh, a conversation we had is the comparison between managing a kitchen and managing a company. Right now, you're you're launched as well, Muerta, which is a marigold's uh, beer, uh, which is a very traditional flower here for the the Muertos in Mexico. You have all the other businesses you're managing. How does it compare? How many people do you have working at Taverna now? Taverna, the whole team, I
1: believe it's like 35 people. Mm-hmm. So managing a company and a restaurant, of course, they're very different. That's why they have different degrees as well in the university. And they teach you hospitality in one of the universities and others, they teach you business. At the end, they are both structured now and there's always new develops and technology that can make both of them very uh, easier. You know, like there is now technology into cooking that makes our lives as cooks so much more easier and that we can get to the results that we want with less effort, which can be contradictory for very old school people. But if you know the techniques from the past, And you apply the technology of the future, I don't see a a problem there. So I don't think there's a big difference as a general matter. But of course, when you go into the industry, there's a big difference. Because when you operate a restaurant, you are engaging with your client every day, face to face, eyes to eyes, and very easily they will tell you if they don't like it. It's immediate feedback. Immediate feedback. So it's a good thing or a bad thing. It depends on how you can take Mm critic, And that's what we are cooks very passionate about. You know, like we are addicted to this rush into knowing if it was good or not. And that's what we're fighting every day for. You know, to create something that is probably the same dish, but all the ingredients are different. The the goal is to create it the same, to have the same result every day, every day, every day. Consistency. Consistency, but with different ingredients you see I mean it's, yes there are tomatoes but all tomatoes are different it's not the same ingredient so it's very different because when you program a computer into running some numbers in excel I would, I'm would i just generalizing yeah of course <laughs> nobody's that married to excel <laughs> or whatever program yeah. you use now to make accounts I think it's the same number but in the kitchen it's not like that and we As restaurateurs and experienced providers, we play with something very, very special uh, that no one else do, which is the emotion of our clients. So if our client is happy, he will be happy all all meal. But if he's mad since the beginning of the meal, it's going to be very hard to get him from this state to a happy state. But if we do, then that means we're good because he was very primitive. We touch his gut, and he said, "Like okay, you know what? Forget about everything I was bad for. This is good enough." And and tell me something. How do you manage your team, the people? Because uh, it's
0: a lot of pressure. Like because you have yeah. immediate feedback. Food has to be consistent. Food has to be with the right temperature. Yeah. Like everything has to work like like a uh, like clockwork. Yes. How does it? Uh, again, how is it? How do you manage stress? How do you manage expect? What are your key challenges? And
1: I would say I'm not the best again, because that means that I would have learned a lot, and I, there wouldn't be nothing more to learn. But uh, what, one thing that we have been doing very good is that we have been teaching people to really care without that, without being stressed or aggressive, you know, because. In the past, in old school, that's what they taught you. If you were mad and you would throw a pan into someone, just shout at him or maybe hit him, that means that that person is caring a lot for what the other wasn't. Now we are managing people into a different kind of conversation and treatment in which we make them feel and let them feel how important is their job, you know? Because whatever they do, people will feel it and they will taste it people will notice. And for us, for example, Chris and I, in our restaurant in Taverna, it's so important, the details. So we're there, and we just like let them know every day and tell them how important it is to have everything correctly done. Because we care. Because Chris and I care so, so, so much that we're there, and we're there to teach them. This new school that we're trying to, to create, that it's already there, so there's many more uh, chefs doing it. It's a solution into bringing a better environment into the kitchen, without making people care less. And it, actually, you can tell much easier now who cares and who doesn't, because there's a lot of people that even though that without this aggression, that you try to mot- motivate them in a different way, and they actually filter themselves. They're like, you know what? This is not what I want to do. Who are your role models? What do you think are like
0: really good people that you admire, that you've learned a lot from?
1: Well, it's difficult to tell because I had some really good chefs that I was working with. Role models into creativity. Of course, famous people just like uh, Enrique Olvera and René Retepe and just all these amazing creative minds that cook and create new of cooking you know like it's like scientists i was impressed i was in barcelona
0: at a show from el buji yeah i was impressed yeah. i was like these are not these are scientists like exactly. the level of uh alchemy yeah Fernandriano. yes yeah it was unreal and now he created a lab out out of el buji right yeah
1: now he, he's mad yeah. and it's incredible yeah. to to see him work and then on the other hand, I've worked with, for example, Thorsten Bilgaard, which he is one of the most passionate chefs that I've ever seen in my life. And he comes from Denmark. He was working with René Recepi at Noma for many, many, many years. So he had this, also these crazy old school habits. And then, bef- I mean, I'm sure that before going into René Rezepi at Noma, he was working in a very old-school French-type restaurant in Copenhagen as well. But he transformed his way, and I really look up into him because the way he treated me when I was in Copenhagen was the way, the way that I want to treat my people and the way that I, I want to make them feel how special they are and how amazing food they can do. Because that's what I felt, you know, the way he treated me. He, when he was hard... He was not screaming. He just, like, approached me. He was very serious and told me, "Emme, you have to do it this way, this way, this way. You know, like, he was very specific. And he would let me know that he was disappointed, if you want to say it like that. Because he was expecting from me, you know, from everyone in the restaurant. Everyone. So that's what I was trying to say when, when you make them feel special, you know. And this guy was some point. Plus, he was... He, he is very creative, yeah, it's one of the best I would say. To mm. and
0: and now going on nutrition that is more and more important. Oh, how do you eat actually? Very bad.
1: Very bad. <laughs> <laughs> just eat at the restaurants. Whatever is like quick bites. I, I, I'm very lucky because my metabolism is like very. You're like a trash can. You yeah, just I can eat anything. whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? Like I envy really, that. I have no hangovers. Like I'm very good. Uh, so.
0: Changes with age, let me tell you.
1: (laughs) Man, it's like, as I'm telling you, like, just like change it every day. Just like, it it will adapt. (laughs) No, it's, uh, well, my habits of food are not very constant, but I try to eat very, two good meals a day. And then the rest, I'm just like picking stuff. Mm -hmm. I try to go into um, uh, vegetarian, maybe every morning. And then sometimes, I don't know, I just listen to my body. Sometimes it asks me for food, for, for meat, sometimes it doesn't. But when I was living on the ocean, that, that is the best because I, I could eat uh, seafood every day for the rest of my life and I would be happy. So, yeah, easy. Like, it really depends on in, in the type of body that you have. I would say listen to your body. It, and there are more and more right.
0: trends. I remember um, a few years ago I was looking into food tech and uh, I remember meeting someone that was like, before going to the restaurant, you'd send them some saliva on a Q-tip and then they would do the flavors according to your DNA or something. That's, that's, I've just yeah, yeah, done microbiome. That. I've done recently like my microbiome tests and I've learned things like I'm allergic to or I shouldn't eat tomatoes. Actually, I've learned this at Taberna yeah. with Santi that he told me about these tests. <laughs> and I did it and I was like, Things that you are you grow up like um, learning about. Now, like cauliflower is good for you, and for uh-huh. me, never in uh, broccoli. And I do like them, but they never felt like that they were healthy for me. And I realized I shouldn't eat them. Tomatoes. So, how do you think? Like, what you see coming in the restaurant and hospitality industry? What you see as uh, the big trends that are coming? The well, next
1: more opportunities years? for sure. There's as we grow as human beings, we discover. So many things that we didn't know, of course, from the past with these new technologies, especially science technology, that can let us know with our DNA or with a, a study of our ancestors, what kind of diet they were having. So now what kind of diet you should be having because of that, because you have a heritage of, as well of neurons and cells. I mean, if you have heritage of how your hair looks because you're Portuguese or because I'm Mexican, mm. you also have these memory cells in your stomach that are used to eat some kind of diet because of your ancestors. This is very good for the industry because we go more specific with every year and we go super local as well uh, what we thought it was local five ten years ago now it's. Like people are harvesting their own food in their own houses, you know, like that's super local. And there's supermarkets that, that now are going to be harvesting their own vegetables in the supermarket, you know. So what's going to happen with the industry? It's just going to go more local, more specific. And with that, it's going to have more opportunities because every person is different. Every person has different tastes. There's a different experience for every kind of person. And if you like tacos, and you find, we probably haven't find, found the right tacos that you really love because we haven't found it. You might know that you have your favorite right now, but maybe in 10 years, they discover a new recipe out of the combination of, uh, Mediterranean and Chinese that they apply now. And in 10 years is the new tacos al pastor. You see? So when, when it comes to what's going to happen with the industry, I just see more opportunity restrictions as People say it sometimes are just guidance in order to focus more into what we can do in that area. For example, vegetarians, vegans. Yeah, there's amazing vegetarian vegan food. Amazing. I mean, I don't see why vegetarian or vegan food should not be tasty. Yeah, but before, like, before before it it wasn't. It was not tasty. It yeah. wasn't.
0: Like, uh, I, I remember, like, in Portugal, maybe like, I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago, trying yeah. to be vegetarian. I felt like a cow. Yeah. Everything is like, oh, you're a vegetarian?
1: Here you have some lettuce and tomato. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, and now you go to amazing vegetarian and vegan places. You don't miss the meat. Even tacos. Even like, yeah, tacos. And the burgers,
0: like uh, Beyond yes. Meat, Impossible Burgers. They are
1: Exactly. Excellent. I don't know how healthy they are, but so they are I, definitely tasty. They're probably healthy because, I mean, they are trying to achieve this uh, nutritional subject as well, you know. They're not just aiming for the flavor. And that's one of the most important things right now in our century is that food not only should be tasted, it should be nutritional. Because it's the first medicine. I don't
0: know if it was Socrates. Very, very said, primitive. Yeah.
1: It's the most primitive yeah. thing that we have. Yeah. So having a good meal, even if it's vegetarian or vegan, or not, or maybe something different, yeah. it's, it's, it's an adventure, it's exploration into the future, like insects, insects, you know? They say they are... Chapulines, Chapulines. the grasshoppers. Yeah. yeah, the food of the future. I agree on that there's so much that we haven't explored into insects and we have so much more in mexico and ironically it's something that our ancestors used to eat like a lot way much more than meat you know we had it in many dishes in traditional mexican dishes before the spanish came so it's just exploration into technology addressing a specifically certain kind of person under very specific kind of experience or taste that they want to have which is the same that you're having actually with the internet
0: as well it's the personalization understanding the person and and uh, customize the products to each person exactly and one last question and what's next for me you just have like six or seven projects going uh-huh. now i'm sure you're not happy or are those I'm sure... deep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i'm kidding no actually well this year this year is more about focusing on personal relationships as well. Like, I could see that last year since... You've I been
0: opened. disappeared. Like, I think we're even afraid Tell of me. calling you because you're always busy. No, no,
1: don't. please call me. <laughs> we have a pending trip. Yeah, I know. We have a pending trip. <laughs> <laughs> please call me because that's the thing. Like, uh, last year, opening two restaurants on the same year, launching my beer, and doing some other professional... Uh, Things made me separate a little bit from my social life, even though I love partying and I like when I hang out, I hang out. But all the personal relationships that I really built last year was inside a professional uh, situation or in taberna, which is my my workplace. And now I want to I want to hang out more with uh, other people, you know, because that's in Mesa Nomada when I was doing that before really kept me motivated and inspired to meet a lot of people and to see what they were doing. Also, I want to do something more casual. Of course, I want to open another restaurant, keep working on the arts in my music and my photography, just like, you know, like having a happy life and traveling, enjoying my relationship with Chris. So this year, I think I worked a lot last year and... Following the advice of the ambassador of Mexico in Switzerland, she said... That you
0: were working with as well. (laughs) Yeah,
1: which I was there last year. She said, like, I'm very proud of you. You're doing amazing. But you know what? You you need to take a moment to see what you're doing. Just like enjoy it. Just don't, don't forget to enjoy what you're doing. I know that you like to be everywhere and do all this stuff, but just like... Don't, don't, I'm not telling you to stay still or stay put. Just remember to take some time to enjoy it. And that's very important. Yeah, that's
0: very important. Okay. And I think that's a great way to finish our conversation, to take some time and enjoy it. Amen. Yeah. always such an amazing pleasure talking with you. And I hope we do that trip soon. Yeah, let's it's do pending. it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Next week, we will have Vinny Olympio telling us his adventures from being born in the slums of Brazil to becoming the creative director at Apple in San Francisco and leaving it once again to follow his life purpose. Join us then. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You may reach out to us for commenting, giving suggestions, or just say hi by email, com, Twitter and Instagram, at Leeds Adventures, and LinkedIn, Leeds Adventures. LITS is L-I-T-S and stands for Life is Too Short. LITSX Podcast is a result of the teamwork between Beatrice Sosa, Janosz Geyer, Lidiane Marie Friedrich, Sigurd Colts, and David Bernardo Santo. Please remember that more than providing answers, LITSX Podcast aims to raise awareness and questions about topics that are becoming relevant and discussed in society. The podcast reflects the personal views of each of its participants and not any institutions. It's not in any way meant to give investment, health, medical or any other type of advice. Many of the topics addressed are still not fully tested, confirmed or approved. So please question everything you hear and exercise extreme caution.